Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever this podcast may find you. It is I, as always, Gavin. And I, Justin. And look at that. We're back. Back as normal. Again. uh, (laughs) Well... We'll see how this. We'll see how long we can do this for. But I just got back from the desert uh, on a work trip with uh, with my com- with the company that I work for, twenty three zero and Expedition Superstore. And uh, yeah, I, I regale you slightly on that adventure. Yes. And uh, we actually talk about like Volkswagens and shit, which we haven't done really. A I mean, while. I mean, we, we've done some talking, but not about these Volkswagens in particular. Uh, you talk about. Uh, someone who started to get fucked out of a CTSV deal. Fortunately, got it back, sort of, in L- pieces. Luckily. Uh, it could have been worse. Yeah. And uh, that and more on this episode of the Exhibition of Speed podcast. Well, cool, man. Well, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. I had Jaden here last week while, you know, you took a week off after, or not a week off, but you went on a week-long I took, trip. I took last week off of the podcast due to taking, not not taking a week off. I was fucking working. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was, I mean, for, if you don't know the Trona Pinnacles area, it's just easier to tell people the, you know, the greater Death Valley area. Yeah. Um. So funny enough, uh, when Maddie and I went to LA, we did, we went the way that you and I took last time. We got off at Baker. Mm-hmm. I, think, I keep on, like, I, w- I think I will always mix up Baker and Barstow. Yeah. California. Because they're two bees that are in the middle of fucking nowhere in California. And in a line. And and also yeah, uh, sequential. Yeah. So I think it's Baker, and so we got off there, and um, I don't know the highway number, but basically, if you're going to LA, it, you can circumnavigate it and go out into the Mojave Desert, hook a left, um, and go south down to Lancaster, and then uh, make your way like get on the five, and then get into the west end of. You know, the Malibu area. Yeah. And like Thousand Oaks and like all that stuff. Um, we took the same way for the first, if you want to look at it proportionally, probably 70% mm-hmm. of the drive was the exact same. Yeah. Like Salt Lake down through, you know, St. George, Vegas. Um, well, and then so the first night uh, we stayed uh, was in this place called uh, Whitney Pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have talked about Whitney Pocket over our phone calls because we, we were thinking we were thinking of an idea for a project, yeah. and we still are, but it's not going to happen there. But so, uh, for those that don't know or who are listening for the first time or whatever, um, I create content for a, the greater company is called Grasshopper Trading Co. But they uh, work very cl- they would call it working very closely with. Uh, the company twenty three zero, yeah, which make uh, rooftop tents. Uh, they also have uh, I don't know if they actually make or if they are branded. I think they make uh, sleeping bags and like other uh, gear. Uh, they have a sub company called UC Gear that makes like you know little lights that go uh, inside your tent that you can actually because these tents fold and unfold. These lights are strong enough that you can just leave them in there. Hell yeah, you okay. don't have to like like you, you can wrap them around like the frame rails. Of the of the tent, like whatever frame rails you want, and the way they collapse and how strong the lights are, you can just open, close, open, close, open, and just leave them in there. They're effectively permanent fixtures. They can be, yeah, yeah. Um, and completely you know modular because you're just wrapping shit around other shit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you just get you know get they're USB powered, so you just get a little power bank, you plug them in, and they're LED, so like they last like a while. Okay, yeah, so they don't pull a lot of power. So. Um, it's that those two companies, as well as Expedition Superstore, which 
itself is a storefront. They are sales. They have they have twenty three zero tents and also uh oh, what's the fucking other one? Um, it's not CVT. Uh, it's one of the other major um, uh, rooftop tent companies. Okay. Um, but they only have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Just as like a comparison of like this is what this is compared to the competition. Yeah. And so um, and a storefront for all sorts of stuff. They have suspension parts and brake parts and you know stoves and chairs uh, that are twenty three zero chairs. Um, and like they have uh, most of the time. There, uh, they have a rig parked in there, and we took one of those rigs with us on the trip. Um, and I don't know when it's going back because they're doing a whole remodel right now. There's a lot of moving parts with my job right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, they had a gladiator that was wrapped. Um, and Vision does their wraps, by the way. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but a gladiator lifted. I it was probably on thirty sevens. I think they weren't crazy forties. I think they were like thirty sevens. So it was like the the typical like you know somewhat aggressive because like when you see a normal gladiators that's fucking toothless there's yeah. there's no bite to that visually no um so this is you know lift uh wheels tires um the camper system in the back they had a rooftop temp- tent on it but the it didn't have like a normal shell like a pickup truck shell yeah it was more like a frame with molly panels on it okay so everything's like pretty modular um that's not the route that I would go personally, but uh, and that's not even the route that the owners would generally go. But they want to showcase that off. Yeah, and so um, that that was one of the rigs we went down with like four rigs, and we met up with someone else down there. So uh, Wayne, one of my bosses, was in uh, the Gladiator named Roxanne. All, <laughs> nice. all these vehicles have names. Um, There's a Tacoma that just got done uh, named Violet, mm-hmm. um, not because it was a Voodoo Blue, even though it is. Um, but named after Violet Beauregard from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> she just gets everything she wants. That's funny. Yeah. Um, that just got a um, an Alucab canopy camper and basically all the bells and whistles. Like, you know, 13-gallon tank. There's a propane heater, solar panels. It was a can- canopy camper, so the top popped off itself, and then yeah. there's a panel that you open up and you get to the top and you sleep there. Um I was told that it was about a $40,000 camper. So you're doubling the price of this taco. That's crazy. Almost. That's crazy. Yeah. Think, thinking about like a $85,000 Tacoma is like ridiculous. <laughs> and that had like suspension and shit too. Cause like the canopy camper, even though it's made of aluminum, it was still like another 600 pounds. Yeah. On top of like normal suspension stuff. So they had to beef that up. Um, I was in a Subaru Crosstrek, which is actually <laughs> the, f- and actually, sorry, I, I, I jumped ahead. Um, my main boss, also named Justin, uh, he was in what was called Ram Chop, which was this uh, this Ram twenty five hundred uh, single axle, single axle. You mean uh, it's a single wheels, not dually wheels, right? Because it's obviously single axle. Not well, dump- yeah, it's one axle, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, I'm trying to remember actually if it had. And the reason why it's more difficult to remember is because they took the bed off. And uh, they did this whole um, this camper, like full on camper treatment. Like it had water, it had a shower in there, stove, bed, fridge, so that's toilet, just complete removal of bed, and install this yeah custom camper on the frame. Exactly. Uh, I'm searching through my phone right now. Um, 
and trying to, I know this makes for terrible radio and I always mention that when we do something like this. Um, I sent you a picture, but I'm just trying to find, uh, it's a, yeah. So single wheel, single wheel. Yep. Um, but it's still on forties and it makes forties look small. Oh, I'm sure. It's, yeah, it's, this thing is fucking massive. I actually have a photo of it next to the cross track. <laughs> <laughs> That's a difference. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that had uh, uh, four-wheel campers makes the camper, and they sent it to Colorado to... They, they took the bed off first, then sent it to Colorado to get um, the, the flatbed treatment, and then they put the camper on top of that. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, one of the techs from... Expedition Superstore had to go and they had to pay him to go over and do that. Um, and when I say techs at Expedition Superstore, that's also what they do. They also modify vehicles there too. So uh, last on Friday, well, there was like Wednesday, Thursday, and part of Friday, I think. Last week they had a 200 series Land Cruiser there, uh, that burgundy one. Yeah. Um, they took the bumpers off and they had like these uh, bash bar, like, you know, uh, anodized. I, I, well, actually, no, it's probably steel. Um, uh, front bumper with a winch and then back bumper. But they weren't full bumpers, so they actually trimmed the original OE bumper mm-hmm. to, like, fill in the gap. Nice. Which I, I think it made for a really clean look. There were guys there like, yeah, no, I go for the fucking full one. Well, of course. I mean, f- functionally, yes, technically speaking. but Maybe, but, but he was saying from an aesthetic perspective it's like oh i'd much rather that and like eh. it, it looks kind of look, I, I think that would be over the top i think most of those anytime i see those full bumper kits on almost any vehicle especially the really big ones yeah especially on jeeps they don't fit they're great for function but they just don't look good in my opinion clearly I, he thinks differently <laughs> yeah yeah um ben is and i can drop his name now because actually his last day was on friday <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah, no, yeah he uh he left to go chase a job in tennessee so he's dipping gotcha. um He's very my way or the highway, very yeah, yeah. black and white. I can't really talk to him about anything that I like because he's very, he's, yeah. one, he's one of those guys. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but anyways, about the trip. Okay. Um, so we took uh, Lulu the Subaru, which was a cross track uh, that was lifted. I think it has like a one inch lift with springs and uh, method wheels with, you know, uh, all train tires uh, with a tent on it. But as far as like any other mods are concerned, actually though, that does have a front bumper too. Um, but it's nothing like that crazy. Yeah. Um, and then it had the, uh, the walkabout 62 2.0 tent. So it has extra, like, uh, what they call LST or light suppressing technology, which is basically another layer that has, um, it, it's not waxed, but it has this other like light suppressing layer to it. Mm-hmm. That like even if it's in the daytime, it's dark as fuck in there. Nice. Like okay. you really could sleep in past the sunrise if you like were, wanted to. Not even if you wanted to. Like it would be very easy to do that. Gotcha. Unless if you opened up one of the windows on purpose, kind yeah. of thing. So uh, there's that. Um, Lulu, Ram Chop, Violet, Roxanne, and then we met up with this guy Andy who has this website called the Adventure Portal who uh, he's from uh, Carlsbad, but he's he's a Brit, funny enough. Nice. Um, and he pulled up with his black uh, Forerunner, and that had like a I, some other tent. It wasn't a 23-0 tent. Yeah. Uh, but he's uh, a journalist. He has his own website, and he like goes on press launches for stuff and is one of the more prominent like uh, Overland bloggers. 
Gotcha. So he was he joined us to write about our trip, but the trip didn't exactly go as planned. Uh, we the plan was to uh, trek through through Death Valley. Yeah, uh, like the whole thing. And because of the rainstorms that happened in January, that were like you know leading up to my trip with Maddie, mm-hmm. uh, Death Valley of all places is flooded. Which is not exactly what you would think of. No. <laughs> you know, of all the places to have an abundance of water, a place with the, you know, death in the name is not one that would come to mind. No. Uh, so that didn't quite go as planned. We stayed in a place the first night called Whitney Pockets, which is, what what do we say, like about 40 minutes outside of Mesquite? Maybe 30 minutes outside of Mesquite? Yeah, about a half hour. Depends on how fast you take the road. <laughs> True. Because <laughs> uh, the... The access road to get to Whitney Pockets was at first paved, and then it devolved into gravel. And then there would be some places where there was gravel and some rocks with ruts. Sometimes some asphalt would just randomly appear. It was very clearly one of those roads where, like, once a year, maybe, they someone takes, like, a plow blade over it. And just it. runs over it lightly. Mm-hmm. Not even, like, a cat track or anything. They, yeah. So, um... But the the area that we were in, it was like Red Rock and Josh, Joshua Trees. Mm-hmm. It was like this really like cool like combination of the two, and we were kind of uh, backed up against like this rock wall. Yeah, and we got there at, at night because leaving Salt Lake was delayed for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, so by the time we get there, it's nighttime. Justin in uh, Ram Chop was blasting on this road. This is a road that. Yes, it's gravelly and like, you know, some pavement in some places, but it was like whoopty. Like it was like imagine a sine wave on a piece of paper and like that's basically what it was. Nice. At, at, like at some places. Like they were yumps. Um, if you really wanted to make them yumps. Um I was falling behind with a moving average of forty five, fifty. Yeah. And they were like walking away from me. When I say they, I mean Justin and uh Ramchop and Brett, one of the uh managers at, at Expedition Superstore. Uh, he was um, uh, he was in Violet, and so th- like those two were like fucking off or whatever. Yeah. But I was still having an amazing time. I had the light bar going up front with the pod lights on the hood, cranking mm-hmm. Tom Petty. It's t- it's pitch black outside, <laughs> going up over yumps and pitching this car into corners. It was so much fucking fun. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm starting to understand rally driving now. This is fucking <laughs> sick, <laughs> especially in the dark. Like there's a- in the dark on a road I've never been on before. I don't know where the fuck we're going. Yeah. So the last thing I want to do is, you know, be on the ass of somebody else. Exactly. So I kind of wanted to give them space and kind of, you know, drive as I normally drive, say, in the canyons where it's I drive as fast as I can see. Yep. So if I'm like, oh, that's really like a, a hairpin corner, I'm going to go through it at 30, which might be some quick, a little quick by some people's standards, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they clearly had a good time, so I'm, I'm might as well. I'm chasing after him, kind of thing. Um, Using all like 130 horsepower that you can. <laughs> uh, no, those are like 180. Oh, really? Yeah, it felt like, like the ones I've driven felt a little less. Oh, they they are very slow. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting because I I feel like the van from the flower shop, mm-hmm. even though that does have 130 horsepower is better paired with its CVT than Subaru's 180 horsepower is compared to that CVT. Cause Subaru, the Subaru was also a CVT, right? The, the, basically the, all of those with, you know, a few exceptions being manuals are all CVT. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know what the Outback is. is the Outback's a CVT now, isn't it? I think so. Um, I think Subaru is mostly CVT at this point. I, with you know the WRX, the uh, well, and the BR, the BRZ is an auto. Yes. It's an actual auto or manual. 
Um, yeah, it's WRX, BRZ, and then some Crosstreks are manual. Yep. But I don't think you can get a Forester in a manual anymore. I don't think so, no. Can you get an Impreza in a manual? They just dropped a new Impreza. They did. That would be a fantastic question for the Google machine. Yeah, while you uh, search that, I'll keep going on about my story. Um, so, yeah, we stayed overnight in Whitney Pockets. Uh, like I said, by the time we got there, it was pitch black. But when we got there, we were able to, like, you know, use our headlamps to set up camp and all that. You know, mm-hmm. set up our tents. That was the f- very first time I set up a rooftop tent. Um, and after everything was all said and done with setup, we just turned our headlamps off. And it was a full moon the night before that, so the moon was still pretty big, and there was no cloud coverage at all. So it was just a clear night. We were able to even go on a hike if you wanted to. Uh, Wayne took a little walk of his own. And, uh, yeah, it was, like, such a serene moment being that far away, what felt like that far away from people, while also being able to see the glow of Las Vegas on the other side of this mountain, which was pretty crazy. So, uh, have you pulled up anything? So, 2023, the base Imprezas, both the five-door and the four-door, are available with manual. Good. Um, But this doesn't look like the new one they came out with. Let me pull this over to you. So, this looks like the current model, not the new one, correct? I guess the new Um, new one might be a 2024. Check and make sure. that. Yeah, I think that's the outgoing one. Okay, let's search. Companies like Subaru and Ford will sometimes not be super on top of it with their websites. I know they aren't with the Mustang. Yeah. If you search the Mustang on Ford's website, it's the outgoing S550 facelift. Yeah, so it looks like the new one is the 2024. So Yeah, yeah that's the new one. Yeah. Not- I'd be shocked if they have a, a manual version. I would be too. I know that the outgoing one does. That's clearly a CVT. Yeah, but they wouldn't show a base. I mean, it would oh, only yeah. be a base. Uh, can you... Can you configure one? It doesn't have a configure thing. The only thing it had at the top was a uh, put in email here for more updates. Sure. EyeSight. EyeSight's great, by the way. Yeah. I do. Lo- I mean, the lane keep assist part of EyeSight is ass, mm-hmm. like with most lane keep assists. Even on a straight road, because trust me, we had a lot of those. Yeah. Straight road, clear fucking daylight, clear indicated lines, and it would still ping pong back and forth it's amazing how many people don't get that right like it's yeah even bigger more expensive companies than subaru yeah and we're, companies are so like they have their minds so set on like what's actually going to be a more useful um technology yep that they kind of i think just slapstick together lane keep and just moved on to the next thing oh yeah no i completely um, agree yeah, scrolling back through here, I've been reading just like each little bit, and none that's of that's cool that they brought that they're bringing the RS nameplate back. They are, yeah, yeah. So that's none of them mentioned transmission. In fact, I'm going to just double check. Yeah, transmission's not even uh, mentioned on the web page. Search manual. Nope. No. What about CVT? Nope. Well, so well, transmission's not mentioned whatsoever yeah. on the whole page. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they just completely killed the manual in that. But it's not. I don't know. I mean. I feel the same way about Impreza's, same way as I do about Corolla's, same way as I do... A, mm, Civic is, I think, different because they actually have a history of making good gearboxes. Yep. Um, but I kind of don't care. If you if they kill the manual off in something base like that, I kind of don't give a shit. Same here. I mean... it is Because it, this is the appliance and the econo box for Subaru, mm-hmm. just like how the Corolla is for Toyota, you know, and how the Civic is for Honda. They have literally zero incentive to make it a good manual. None. Or, or just a manual in general. Yeah. 
I mean, Honda has incentive because not just journalists, but enthusiasts and people that have driven their cars over the years, especially the ones from, say, the mid to late 90s and into the early 2000s, mm-hmm. had really great six speeds. I, yep. mean, I mean, and also if you look at the NSX, if you look at the S2000, the S2000 is heralded still and you need to fucking drive one. I do. Um, as one of the greatest six speeds ever made by anybody ever. Mm-hmm. So... Honda has an incentive to do that and keep it around for their Type R and for the SI. But as far as like Subaru, Subaru doesn't have a history of making great five or six speeds. Actually, they're notoriously shitty five speeds. <laughs> yeah, your Forester. Uh, no, not my Forester, but in like WRXs. Oh, yeah. I've driven one of those, but it's been so long I can't remember. Well, do you remember Christian? Yeah. Uh, he had a Hawkeye WRX. Okay. And he went through two gearboxes in the short amount of time that he had. And the reason why he started to get into Volkswagen is because mm. I dragged him along um, in a Mark Six GTI that had DSG. Gotcha. It was a KO4 swap Mark Six, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, "Oh no, this is it. This is the game changer." And that then he bought his Volkswagen and um, did what any other Volkswagen Audi fanboy did and just started going down more Volkswagen rabbit holes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's. Kind of my issue. There's, you know, the Volkswagen bro, the VW Audi bros, mm-hmm. Subaru guys, Honda guys. Like a lot of them, once they start to go down that, it's hard to like pull them out. Yep. Um, and and, it, and those, like especially those brands you just mentioned, I have probably some of the more notorious um, amounts of that. Where when somebody goes down the Subaru life, like you notice, even a regular person, not like car person. They just oh, yeah, stick like, with it. Oh, look, my, my parents have been uh, owning and driving Subaru since the early 90s. Same with Honda people. Like, a lot of people mm-hmm. will just get the newest Honda Civic every single time. Sure. Even if they're not an enthusiast. Or if they're an enthusiast, well, they get an SI or, or a well, Type they, R. They, well, yeah, and they generally do that because they don't want to spend a lot of money. They don't want to really think about driving. Mm-hmm. And as far as, like, for my parents, they, A, don't really, really want to think that much about driving, but... Uh, they swear by Subaru symmetrical all-wheel drive, mm-hmm. which I also agree. I yeah. think it has a it's a good it's a solid all-wheel drive system. Oh yeah. Um, but they just they 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 want a worry-free, stress-free, you know, driving, experience. especially where they live. Yeah, living up in Park City and having to you know traverse Parley's Canyon all the time. Yeah. So. Um, no, I agree. I I think that Honda has more of a reason to keep a manual route. Effectively, at this point naturally as always us here in the united states tend to both get shit on with like special models but also seem to have this weird habit of dictating things going forward like we started to dictate the crossover craze that's now well put- manuals dying period first and then crossovers yep. suvs had already become a, a really big thing yep i mean the the cayenne saved porsche mm-hmm. people say the 986 boxer did and i think there's some merit to that but i think the cayenne probably did more yeah to save them um and we so we've ended up dictating a lot of these things, and like uh, I'll see a lot of, okay, yeah, still fifty percent of like European drivers own a manual, but that's down from like eighty percent, true, you know, just ten years ago, true. So like it clearly is dying. Well, not speaking just here. of cool shit that we don't get, you know what we are getting? What D- did you hear? This information just dropped this week. We're getting uh, the new five series in a wagon. I did see that. It's like a. It's going to be a hybrid, but it's going to make over like seven hundred horsepower. Okay. Do you know what the name of it is? It's the M5 Touring. Uh, just like yeah. M5 Touring. Oh yeah, duh. I forgot that they name all their stuff Touring. Yeah. Next BMW. Yeah, seven thirty-five horsepower. 
I don't think it's going to look like that. I think so. We're looking at a car and driver article uh, by George Catcher, uh-huh. published. It was this week, February sixteenth, twenty twenty three. Um, code name G ninety chassis. Uh, but yes, supposedly going to be what? Probably a twin turbo six with hybrid. Let's see. Uh, XM SUV is where it steals its powertrain from. I'm gonna guess G ninety nine. Apparently, is going to be the. Oh, it, so it can. It has an EV range of sixty miles. With a maximum speed of 87 miles an hour in EV mode. That's interesting. That's similar to... (laughs) Zero to 60 in, what, 2.8? Yes. So that's what they managed uh, with the regular M5 competition. Yeah. Um, So it might be like a 2.9 or something. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's... Yeah. That's fucking fast. Yeah. Um, Yeah, a lot of these are just like renders and stuff like that. Yeah, I doubt that that's going to be it, because this has illustration by Christian Schult, whoever that is. Oh, so... It's the V8. Hold, no, if it's based... Re, uh, might, they're talking about mites. I don't think it's going to have that. Yeah. I, I, I'm I pretty sure. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the i5M, so that's yeah. different. So Could have more than 1,000 horsepower, though. Jesus. I mean, granted, this is electrical because this is their i-series. So sure. That's... Not difficult, or but the crazy. only the only companies that have EVs that are over a thousand horse is Lucid and, and Tesla. And Tesla, true, because the Plaid is like what? The, it's like a thousand and ten or something like that. It's not like just creeping over a thousand. And then the Lucid, that Sapphire that they the, tested, and the Drag was like eleven hundred. It was like ele- I think it was all ones. Is eleven, 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 eleven? Yeah, and so they're just barely over that. I mean, i five M. I'm kind of curious what that would look like if there's even like renderings or anything like that <laughs> nope <laughs> it's a bunch of apparently i5m is also the name for a mixing board <laughs> so that must just be like well, if you type in bmw i5m true and so these okay yeah so it's literally just a five series with yeah. a filled in grill yeah but uh, I mean, if, if that is what it actually is going to be, I mean, so much of this is also we are really in the weeds here. I started yeah. talking about my trip to Death Valley <laughs> and then we got off on this. Um, no, that wagon looks amazing, though. Like that just kind of takes what um, I think is really cool about like the current Volvo V60 hybrid wagon where you can drive it about 50 miles on all electric and it can do fast acceleration, lots of stuff, and then just turns that up by several more degrees sure. to, to the M brand. Sure. And. I'm definitely curious to see how many more of these come out because we've still got Audi and Mercedes that, at least on their current wagon lineups, have stayed. And Porsche. Mm-hmm. And Porsche. Porsche has actually added to their lineup because they have the Panamera. Yep. And they also have the Taycan, which is a wagon. Mm-hmm. For the cross. Well, they actually have two wagons because they have the, don't they? Isn't, yeah. Isn't there a lowered version and then there's an Outback version? Yes, because they did. They have the Cross Turismo. Yeah, Cross Turismo is the tall one. Mm-hmm. Sport Turismo? Turismo, Sport Turismo. Yep. And so they, they have... also have Sport Turismo Panamera. So, so Porsche has three wagons, which is weird to think about. It is a little bit. They have three wagons. BMW has is gonna have this one, right? Because yeah, because yeah, we haven't got the three series wagon in a few years now. Not since like F thirty, right? Mm-hmm. And then Mercedes, I know that they pulled from the american market the e63 wagon like i think this model year or last model year it was right around here that they stopped making it uh, or importing it to the states oh well they've i mean they've been doing that 
for a long time. Yeah, and... When you so, say pulled, what do you mean? Like, it's not for sale here. Okay. Yep. So, it is, so, okay. Yep. And then Audi, at the moment, uh, is still selling the RS6 Avant. Are they still selling it, or are they all sold out? They also have the A6 um, uh, All-Road. All I should not say All-Track. Yeah. Um, and then they also have the... Yeah. And then they also have the B9 All-Track, too. Yes. Or, sorry, whatever the fuck. All-Road. All road, yeah. Same shit. So, I mean, I guess it's still listed. Like, clearly, they're still making it. The question is, if it's because I thought it was, that was supposed to be a limited thing. That's why, like, there was so much uh, ADM. Yeah, it looks like I thought there were going to be like six or seven hundred that was going to come, and that was going to be it. Well, being that I'm seeing mostly like 2023s, but some of these are from like Canada and things like that. I think that might be the case, at least here in the states. Mm -hmm. Just because, as per usual, they just know that we have this uh, dead-ass market of people willing to pay stupid prices for things. So, cool, we'll drop a 1000 in them. Everybody makes a shit ton of money mm -hmm. and whatever. Yeah. Um, so maybe even this is off the table for now. Like, yeah. won't be able to order one. Sure. But maybe the C8, maybe there could be a C8 and a half update that adds some type of hybrid shit like that. Like, if BMW really does drop that, you're going to see other manufacturers try to... Maybe. Well, yeah, because, I mean, to some degree. Mercedes is already, you know, continuing the downsizing of engines and they're going to have a twin turbo hybrid for the C63. Yep. Which is also going to be like seven or six, at least over 600 horsepower. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting. Um, There is a, a big topic, a big brain topic that we could go into this about, but I'd like to finish my story. Yeah. Kick off. Um, so we stayed overnight at Whitney Pockets going back to the Death Valley thing. Mm -hmm. Um. Next morning, we get up and uh, bright and early and head out to the Trona Pinnacles, which is on the south end of Death Valley. It's basically one mountain range over. Yeah. Um, and from there, we stayed there for like three nights. Okay. And it was this, like, I've never been, I've actually never been to um, uh, Gobham Valley. Mm -hmm. So I haven't had like that kind of like pinnacle-y, you know, rocky experience. But this was like gray desert middle of fucking nowhere could totally film um oh actually they filmed one of the uh last of was it the last? no westworld episodes oh yeah out there okay. um actually uh the guy that met us up there andy he uh showed me personally he like he brought me around and like showed me this little alcove he's like this is a scene where like one of the portals opens up and like there's like this finale scene or something like there gotcha something like that so um that's pretty cool um but yeah, super surreal, very otherworldly environment, and uh, we got to, the whole point of the trip was to go there and shoot content as well. So shoot content for tents and accessories and things that we're trying to sell uh, this year. Um, and then after that, we got up and left. We we left Trona Pinnacles and drove north, and we did drive through Death Valley, which was kind of cool to see. We drove through the south end of Death Valley. Um, and got to the lowest point, which is, I think, 182 feet below sea level. Interesting. Okay. It's kind of cool because, like, the way the road goes, is it's straight. Mm -hmm. And it, like, it hits a dog leg. And, like, it kind of, like, bounces you back up. So, like, when you hit that apex of that dog leg, it's like, that's the lowest point that you can at least drive on in Death Valley. I think the lowest point in Death Valley is, like, 280 below. So, which it's another 100 feet pretty lower. Low. It's the lowest point in the country. Yeah. That's... I've never been so low in my life, Justin. I know. You just <laughs> went there. <laughs> so, um, and I, I'm trying to wrap this up quick, but 
what happened after that? We we kind of oh, what do we do after that? Oh, there was uh, a place. I don't know if you if you even Googled it, uh, could find it, but it's called Bonnie Claire. Uh, it's a town in Nevada, is what it says. Yeah. Um. So if you look up Bonnie Claire, mm-hmm. um, I can pull it up there. Just so we're seeing the same thing. Yep. Um. Oh, you're on Wikipedia. W- but yeah. I can go but, back. Yeah. So you see that map to the right? Mm-hmm. See that road that turns left? Yep. We turned up that road and like went around the backside of like these mountains. Um. And there's like some really cool like abandoned like mine shafts and stuff. Yeah. Um. And we actually did some some dig. Yeah. So. I know I'm gonna be off mic, but uh, he's showing me things. He's playing Vana. Or Vanna White. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, zoom in a little bit to like maybe there. Okay. Let that load. We were over here. Okay. Uh, and there's like some dirt road. This this is all BLM land. Gotcha. Okay, so it's so, all Bureau Land Management. Yeah, not the other one. Yes. Um, the people that live here probably don't like that other one. Probably not. Um. Uh, pull up. Yeah. So we had like. I think we're backed into like here or something. Okay, so you're in like crevice of like clearly this is runoff area and multiple little like little kind of mini cliff sides and yeah things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the awesome thing that I've discovered also about overlanding, and this is very much not new, especially to anyone that has literally even thought about overlanding. Yeah, but being able to set up camp where you want mm-hmm. and then wake up to these amazing views. Oh, yeah. Completely remote and desolate from fucking anybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I mean, I didn't have serve. It's funny. The pocket that we were in um, at Bonnie Claire, there was no service at our actual camp spot. Yeah. But if I walked down the path that I was, that, that we drove up, it wasn't even really a path. It was just kind of like some worn out yeah. g- ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With minimal of foliage. But uh, walking down that path for like five minutes and I had full service nice so i was able to like you know uh text my girlfriend and uh just check on stuff but um yeah that was our last night and then uh we hightailed it out of there and i had and actually i've been meaning to talk to you about this oh no (laughs) because you have told me about the drive from ely to california is some of the most dull and boring driving Mm -hmm. you're completely full of shit because, yes, it was long and straight, but I had some of, like, for hours, I had panoramic views of these amazing snow-capped mountains. And I'll correct my statement a little bit. It depends on what you're looking at. Because I have been through there, and I have seen, like, the, the beauty that can happen. Yeah. It depends on when. So, I'm going to, on my shit, uh, Bonnie Claire, Nevada to Ely. And... Honestly, all the shit like north of Ely mm-hmm. was garbage. Yeah. Um, but everything from like Tonopa. Yep. Then if people are listening to this at home or in your car, if you want to bring up Google, just put Bonnie Claire, Nevada. Just Bonnie Claire, Nevada. And then just put in Ely as the destination and it'll just take you there. Yeah, it took us through Goldfield, which is like this kind of interesting little ghost town mm-hmm. not ghost town but just like you know run downtown and then yeah right up to nopa and then like uh yeah basically all along the six highway 
basically from between Tonopa and Lund was uh, just like these awesome. I, and I got photos on my phone, but like these, this awesome uh, just panoramic views for hours. And I, I was expecting it just to end and just be like flat and like nothing. And I was. Um, quite pleased that that wasn't really my reality. Okay, I think we might be mixing something up because I have never driven from Ely to Tonopah or Goldenfield or any of that. Oh, say okay. So, w- are you talking about like through what? Like I'm talking Crystal about, Springs. I'm talking about the standard I-15 route. Is probably what I was referencing. Just like well, some. Well, I-15 doesn't come anywhere near Ely. No, I know. I've never been that direction whatsoever. Oh, so what? So you would have gone like through Delta. I think that might be what I was referencing. I've just never driven the, the 50 right there. I've never driven out to Ely. I've never been to Ely. I've never been. Oh, you've well, you've told me that you've done so, something like that before. I'll have to think of where. Or was it Elko? It might have been Elko. Ah. That's what it was. Gotcha. Yeah, because I just looked at this. I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it was really pretty. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and I mix up Elko and Ely a lot too, so. That's. Understandable. Easy. Um. Yeah, it, it it was great. Um, gassed up in Ely and then drove home. We just uh up the ninety three to Wendover and drove by the salt flats and which were very flooded. I heard even more than normal. Um, because like the thing about the salt flats that most people don't think about, but it's salt. It's not ground, so mm-hmm. the water doesn't have anywhere to soak into until it evaporates. So that's leaving more salt, ironically. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I've heard that there, um, from the couple things that I've read, like it's most flooded it's been in like about 10 years. I believe that. Um, and they're concerned that it may not dry out this year. Well, so, oh, when did the, it was like, it had happened before. Week, this had, this happened about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from like, tw- and please, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was around 2012 to 2014. 14 or 15 those years they were they skipped speed week and like i think 2015 or 2016 it came back i believe so i'm even gonna pull it up and check because i'm curious i remember Which that happening it, it's also weird to think about 2013 being 10 years ago yes <laughs> i mean i'm gonna reverse date myself but like that was the year i graduated high school <laughs> I, yeah. I'm hitting my 10-year anniversary, finally. Well, I'm hitting my 10-year anniversary of getting into automotive media. Which is wild. Which is nuts to think about. But um, I did actually find a little article right here for us to go back into the hybrid thing. Um, apparently, and this is... Could we, could we wrap that up? Or could we wrap this other thing oh, up first? Oh, well, okay, gotcha. I didn't realize we weren't... Uh, I, I thought you were Googling about um, uh, salt flats. Yes, okay. Bonneville Speed Week... Um, Justin needs some direction sometimes. I do. I do. <laughs> so that was when... So it did get canceled for last year. Um, August of... No, uh, it wasn't. I think it might have just gotten rescheduled, but it was can- like... Yeah, because the pe- people were there. Yep, let me redo my search. It got flooded, but um, it like wasn't... Uh, there were probably races that were canceled, but uh, the event itself was still happening. Event was called off in 2014 and 15 for flooding. Yep. Okay. And this past year was, uh, it got bumped for the first time in five years. Okay. Um, to get uh, it more dried out. And yeah. it looks like that'll probably happen again this year. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I, I'd be shocked if it actually dried up and hardened up and up enough 
for you know people to drive three to six hundred miles an hour. Because I heard it was like about five to six inches of standing water, like a, a good solid at amount. Least. From what I saw on the highway, at least I I thought it was gonna be like a foot, but I was also you know driving, so it's hard to really really tell, especially out there because like it's so flat. Yeah, that like even like two inches of water can make it look like a literal ocean. Yeah, because it well, especially when it goes so far out. Oh yeah, there's just just as far as the eye can see. The last time I was there was uh, January of 2020, mm-hmm. and I went out with some friends and uh, took pictures and stuff. And there was like it looked like ocean, and there would be like a little like pocket of like non-water, and it would look like its own little actual island. <laughs> Actually, here I've got kind of a little picture I can pull up right there from. Uh, oh come on, there it goes from KSL. Boop. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, basically almost creates mini islands at the slight high spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. But yeah, we'll see what happens with that. It's yeah. always cool because I went there once. I've been there like five times total, just yeah. randomly. Uh, once was during Speed Week. I went, that was a, that was probably the coolest school field trip I ever did. Oh, yeah. We went for there sure. for Auto Tech for Speed Week. Totally. Um, and then the other times have just been stop ins as I've been like, on my way to Wendover or bullshit like that. Yeah. Just drive off. Which is funny because I've never gone to Wendover on purpose. <laughs> I would I would much prefer going out to just Bonneville in the middle of actual nowhere. And yeah. then like if I needed something, I would go to the gas station and just I, I just I just don't like Wendover. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's like it, it's like in the in the hierarchy of trashy cities. <laughs> I mean, I still think uh Atlantic City is probably at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prim, Nevada is up there. Yep. Wendover is up there. Vegas has so much money there that, like, a lot of the people are trashy. Yep. But I feel like the experience, depending on what you're doing or where you're going... Can be really good. Can be better. Yeah. (laughs) I would probably say Prim, Nevada, Wendover, Nevada, and Atlantic City are probably the three trashiest cities that at least I've been to. So Wendover as a, as a town only exists because it is the closest place that we can go to entice our uh, Sin City mentalities. Yeah. Because it's two hours away from Salt Lake, Yep, and you can do all the things that you can't do in Utah there. Gamble. Because it's not like they have a big gambling culture in Evanston. No. Or something, <laughs> or just across the border in Idaho. No, uh, Wendover has effectively rebranded itself as a mini, mini, mini Vegas yeah. to cater to the needs of those that can't get their needs met in right. Utah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's also just hilarious to, to drive through Prim, too, because, like, mm-hmm. what, you're going to go here and not Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> why does this place exist? It, it exists because at one point in time it had purpose. I guess Pr- it, so. At one point in time, when cars needed to fill up more, or God knows what, maybe it had a purpose. Yeah, it people... clearly doesn't anymore. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um. <laughs> anyways, anyways, I did find this. Apparently, so this is from an article from Grand Tour Nation. So I questioned the re- grain the pres- of salt. Yeah, they're talking about a C9 generation RS6 to become hybrid as it potentially loses its engine displacement. And then they the, the headlining photo is of a C8. So, And it does mention the current one has the quote-unquote 48-volt hybrid system, which doesn't yeah. work in this quite the same way. It, it just enhances you the don't, current engine. Yeah, you don't feel any kind of in- intervention from the hybrid. I forgot that. So I had one, Nate Gracie's, mm-hmm. for three days while my wheels were being powder-coated, and I completely forgot about the mild hybrid system until I was writing the article. I was like, 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot but about that. I don't believe there's any way you can you, you can't just run off of it. The batteries or the no. storage thereof is not no. nearly enough to do anything like that. That's how all these 48 volt systems yep. are. Like Mercedes has them in some of their cars. Mm -hmm. Audi. They they work similar to the um uh new gen the NC1 NSX in like filling in gaps and little things like that and transferring power. Yeah. They don't act. They're not actually a full-on hybrid. That's why they're called a mild hybrid. But right, it, you know. So so they're saying full details of the hybrid setup are yet to be revealed. No shit. Duh. But it's likely that the combustion engine will be toned down with slack being taken up by more. Pro yeah. So that's. Well, it's so, all speculation. They, they speculate. Uh, you know what we've already done. What Audi's already done. Yep. And then, uh, interpolating shit that Mercedes is doing with the C63, which they're going from from a four liter. Twin turbo V8, hot turbo V8, to a two liter uh, turbo with uh, you know hybrid. Well, and so here here's a phrase I've seen this quoted before, and this is kind of why I wanted to bring this up. This one right here. It's already been established, after all, that Audi will stop combustion engine development right. in 26. Right. I see that get miscommunicated a lot. Yeah. When they say development, they're talking about from that point forward, we're not going to be building a new engine. So that's. 28 29 there won't be new engines coming out that would have been developed in 26 right so it's still likely that we will have engines tailing off for the next five to six years yeah and then maybe in 2030 or 31 pending everything goes good is when there will probably be no more internal combustion engines probably we have we'll, to see we'll, we'll see i i mean knowing audi and how long they, they've milked engines for yep i mean how long have they been volkswagen audi been building a two liter Turbo for uh, uh, 2004. Yeah, two liter turbo. Mark, yeah. Mark five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's and they still use it in the Golf R and GTI and basically any MQB. <laughs> I mean, hell, they, it makes me chuckle. They still like have a couple times now brought back the one eight because like it's the a one, different one eight. But it is yeah. a completely different one eight because they also have a one four as well. Yeah, but they keep bringing back the moniker because that meant something to them at some point. You think? Do you think that's really why they do that? I, I think it might be a combination of happenstance and like, oh, we already own the trademark for one at one point eight T. So, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I believe that, but I, I think it's because it's, it's no, for instance, on the all track, it's one point eight, but it doesn't have a badge anywhere. So I, I think it could be a weird combination of like all of them. I think that's coincidental that they just so happened to build another one point eight, but that's my yeah. own because they wanted to just downsize the two liter. Yeah, because that's what it is. They wanted to give a a mid level engine because one point mm -hmm. four space, one point eight. Oh mid. yeah, because two liters are so fast. I, well, <laughs> depends on which two liter. I suppose so. <laughs> the two dot slow single overhead. Oh yeah, no, there's a reason it's called literally the two dot slow. Yeah, I actually yeah. like that engine though in a weird way. It's just it would. Here's why. Because it's simple. Um, two things. There's only two good points to that entire engine. Okay. It's not necessarily the simplicity. Simplicity is more as there's just literally nothing to go wrong with it, and it was still timing belt driven, so it's super easy to service and doesn't suffer from okay. any of the catastrophic failures the rest of the engines did at the time. Okay. And it's pretty damn economical. Well, what could they get fuel economy wise? Thirty-five to forty. Combined. Uh, I think it's about 30 city, 40 highway. Like if you were to spread them out. Okay. So they did have good points. They were just slowest. That, that would be when you're in uh, Arkansas. Yeah. Where you don't have hills because as soon as you have a hill, you, you know. It goes down. Yeah. 
yeah, but I did like those only really for the serviceability of you have a timing belt that was stupid easy to replace. Yeah. It was and where that was in the middle of like Mark Six Gen where they were having so many timing change. Well there's, there's a lot of engines that went in Mark Six because you also had they that was the tail end of the O seven K. You had the two point slow, and then you have the actual, you know, the big boy two liter. Yep. Big boy two big liter. Boy. I'm I'm talking shit, but my car's a one six, so yeah. like what does it matter? Uh, <laughs> and then you also had the diesel. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, is that that's also a two liter, isn't it? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, two liter diesel. Mm-hmm. And then, and which that was it, the last full generation of diesel, because then it was in just the very first two years of Mark Seven, and then gone because Dieselgate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did. They also have a hybrid. Hybrid. I don't think they had a hybrid for Mark Six. Think for so. Mark Six Jetta, I don't think so. But let's see, because I know we had. Oh boy. Hybrid. Hybrid grill. So that's the you know. Just take out grill. Uh, yeah. Twenty thirteen Jetta hybrid. Yeah. So I I think that was their first experiments with it. Yeah. Come on, I clicked on you. It's there good. it goes. Okay. So it, it looks like it joins uh Tuareg hybrid was the only other hybrid at the time. It's a 14. Yeah. Turbocharged and intercooled. Ooh. Ooh, wow, we're going back <laughs> to like the mid 90s when that was like headline news. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, dual red cam. Uh Interesting. Okay. Oh, and it had dual clutch too. Yep. Oh wait, no, the no, just the diesel did. Yes. Just d- diesel and, you know, GLI and GTI and that stuff. So, yeah. wait. Um, but wait, it's unique. That I'm on compact. It's, uh, oh. Oh, interesting. So. So apparently oh. it was its own engine is what they're saying. Um, but the gearbox is even unique among Jettas as the automatic options for the other models top out at six. So the other dual clutches were six, but so it did have a seven-speed DSG. It had seven-speed, yeah. Interesting. So I think that might have been the first toyings with the seven-speed because that was 2013. And B8 as well. B8 yeah. S4 had a seven-speed. Yeah. And I'm more thinking on the front-wheel drive platforms. Cause sure. Totally different transmission. Just happens to have the same number of gears. But then this, going into the third-gen TT with TTRS, had mm-hmm. the seven-speed. Same with the RS3, same with... Yeah. So this may have been the first toyings with that, and then that was beefed up a fuck-ton to go yeah. into those larger models. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And now the GTI is on an eight-speed. Yeah. Dual-clutch. Wild. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think in this time period, like, six was just a weird generation, but it, it seems like they did have quite the range. I didn't even think that about that, that they had so many different... Mm-hmm. Drive Maybe trends. that's our next big film, just driving all the Mark 6s. Oh <laughs> <laughs> SEO <laughs> gold. <laughs> we drove every Mark 6, all our shit. I mean... Uh, <laughs> okay, how many Mark 6s can you now name or think of? You have Golf. Mm-hmm. You have Base Golf. You have Base Golf, GTI, Golf R. Mm-hmm. You have Jetta. GLI. GLI, Jetta Hybrid. Jetta TDI. Jetta TDI. Golf TDI. Golf TDI. There uh, was there a, an e golf for Mark Six. I don't know. That is a good I think, question. I I I know that they had them for Mark Seven. Um, I mm, 
don't see. I don't think so. I think it omitted the E. Oh, yep. Burp. No, I think it's just Mark 7. Yeah, 2019. Right? Yeah, 2019 to be unveiled. Yeah, so I think this would have been unveiling something that would have come out Mark 7. Cause that's well, that's, that's a forum. Mm-hmm. You're like, ooh. Ooh, exactly. Are they gonna come out? Yeah, so I think eGolf was all 7. Okay. Um, Which means that also... Also, are we counting uh, EOS? So there is there's EOS. Um, <laughs> We're getting I, in I the th- weeds now. Well, I thought of one more getting in the weeds because it technically is MQB. TT. Which is TT and the first Audi e-tron, the, the A3... Oh, which is on that exact same oh, platform. Oh, okay. So that we're up to eleven. Well, or, then, well, then you also have like normal. If you're doing that, then you have the normal A3. Yep. Uh, S3. Yep. Because and we didn't have. But an, I, I feel like we're like I feel like. Mm, yeah. That, so we're at thirteen now. I'm gonna call it. Yeah. At like ten. Yeah. No, I feel I feel that. Um, that ten different variations of the same. We drove all the Mark Sixes. So what you're saying is the Germans took Henry Ford's lesson on yes. you can have any fl- any color as long as it's black, and then just applied that to the entire car. Yes, you can have any car you want as long as it's MQB or Mark Six. Oh my God, yeah, that's funny. So much shit, and I mean, um, actually, you know what's funny? We can add one more to that list that is a Volkswagen, the, the entire CC lineup. True. <laughs> well, how many CCs are there? I guess there was just the one gen. Or was that was that Mark Six or was that based on a Audi platform? I'm pretty sure that was Mark Six because I'm pretty sure it's it's based off the Jetta. Or was that Passat based? Oh, Pas- Passat. It's the Passat CC. Yeah. yeah. So it is Passat based, yeah. which is the one size up. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if that one fit the bill. Well, it doesn't. Omitted. Omitted exactly. Still, that's a wild amount of like variations of drivetrains and bullshit for the same car. Yeah, Jesus, that's crazy. I actually don't mind those though. The CCs, they're interesting, well, and I think the design has aged well too. Agreed. The, the second gen also looked really good. Yes. Um. No, completely. Agreed. But considering like that was a, a design from what? When did that come out? Like oh eight or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two thousand eight. Uh, yeah, debuted in June two thousand eight at the North American Auto Show, which means it probably came out a two thousand nine model year. Ye probably. Yeah. Product, yeah. So production versus um, model year, model years. Yep, two thousand nine. Yeah. Hell yeah. That one's aged better than most of them. Most of the Mark Six line has not aged that well. Well, if we, I mean, we talked about you know design that is not aged well from that era, and the B eight comes to mind. Yes. Um, Still, a lot of people that don't like that, but I, we both agree on yeah, it. Yeah, you can kiss my ass. Exactly. <laughs> eight point five looked so much better, and it, so far has aged quite well. Oh, so much better. Like. It almost looked like the B8, the original, was the weird meld of like taking B7 and being like, "What? What's the future like? What's? Mm-hmm. It's one of those leaps forward where they just didn't hit the mark. Not quite. Yeah. Um. They they were forward thinking, but not quite getting there. Yep. Yeah. I I much prefer the B7 to the B8, regular B8. Design wise. Design wise. Outside, I agree. Yeah. Um, Inside. It's, yeah. They're 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 close on the inside. Um, there's a, a now a B7 wagon that is in my building. Okay. Um, they like park like directly behind me, so whenever I back up, I have to like turn and like avoid it. But mm-hmm. uh, black B7 wagon with twenty spokes. Nice. I think. Okay. Yeah. Not too shabby. Pro- I think it's a two liter, probably. It probably is. It's either that or a uh, two point eight or a three point two. You know what would be a fun build. And I'm going off into the weeds here, but if you did like 
okay, so if you got a B7 wagon, okay. B7 Avant, and took it to IROS mm-hmm. and did that, and then also put on like the RS4 front clip and like made it like body wise like look like an RS4 wagon, but had some crazy like 800 horsepower plus like you know five cylinder. <laughs> I actually just had a funny thought. So for the long, speaking of Audi Volkswagen carrying on engines for so long, Mm -hmm. how long they carried on the original five cylinder from the early 80s all the way through 96. Mm -hmm. I just had a funny thought. There's only been three cars that have ever had a five cylinder RS, which is the RS2, Mm -hmm. the TTRS, technically first and second gens, and the RS3. Which is basically the same car as the TTRS. So so four if you count both gens of the TT. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Most of the other RS lineups have had plethoras of different types V6s. of engines. Um, so that would be interesting. Like, Wait, has, has there been a... I guess in the new RS5, it's a V6 now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a V6 now. It's the 3. No, 2.9. 2.9. 2.9. Yeah. The new derivative of the old 3.0T. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, it's not. Because it's turbo. They still call it 3.0T. What do, you, what do you mean? That's what their name of the engine is, even though it's supercharged. Is the 3.0T? I know, but the new RS5, the current B9 RS5, is turbocharged. Oh well, yeah, they switched to that, so 2.9T is yeah. the new one. Yeah, it's just they, the same. The block is effectively the same. It's tons of changes, throw mm. it away. It's just the new variation of their V6 forced induction lines up. Gotcha. Um, but basically making the car you just described would be effectively making a, I'm going to call it like an homage RS4. You're basically combining what came with an RS4, the smaller platform, the wagon, and then putting in a built five-cylinder from IRS. But, uh, I guess, was there an RS4 for, uh, for um, uh, UR? Nope. I was going to say, or for like the C4? Nope. RS2 was the first um, one, and that was... I'm not talking about the first, though, but like a, your era of... URS six because there was a URS four. Yes, that was ninety two ninety three. And what did that have? That had the five cylinder. That's what I'm saying. But it's not an RS. So it, when yeah. when we say URS, that uh, well, I, well, I said you are, but yeah, that's just a prefix. The actual name is just the S four. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it would be an interesting meld of like creating a, a kind of a homage RS four using the older tech well quote that's unquote kind of a Franken homage because like yeah. that product never actually existed. Not at all. Um, but that's what makes it cool to me is you're now taking mm-hmm. like all the cool bits, yeah. the, you know, the RS, the good chassis, the B7 is a good chassis for what it was mm-hmm. and putting in the stuff from the, the chassis R- itself, everything else questionable. Yeah. Um, putting in the good stuff from the RS4, like, a, like what would be great for that car is like a, not a thousand plus, but like it's 700 horsepower. Oh uh, yeah, just a, just a modest seven hundred horsepower. In IROS terms, that is modest. <laughs> yeah, it's not twenty two hundred or whatever is in what's what's in. Is that what the R eight I think is pushing out? Something is like his it. seven second R eight. Yep. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but put that in that car. So like it's, we'll call it a high end streetable at like seven hundred. Now the question is, would you keep the manual the six speed? If with this Franken build, I mean. Because I would really just want to hoon in it and just be just kind of a dipshit. So probably. Probably. But it would be interesting if you wanted, if there were any daily ability inclinations for the car. Yeah. Then if there's, I'm sure he would have a dual clutch to handle that. Probably. There's a way to convert it because using the five cylinder blocks that he does, those mate to the older transmissions like the one in my Audi. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and those are much more ro like robust feeling than the newer ones. They're a lot more notchy. They, like the RS4 transmission was okay. It wasn't amazing, but it, like it didn't wasn't quite as nice as some of the other ones we've driven. I mean, for a I think for a sports sedan that that isn't an E39, I yeah. think it's actually great. Yeah, it, it's I mean, well, and also the one that we drove was original at 110,000 miles. Yeah, so, so take that with also with a grain of salt too. Yeah, so if they did the six speed that would have made it to like my car, for instance, it might it be a little more reliable and be a little more buildable too. Because I think that there would have to be the an adapter plate to make like the factory RS4 transmission to that five cylinder because they are like completely different architectures. Yeah. Well, and also what I was talking about with this Franken build is take just a B7 just wagon. Because we didn't get yeah. the RS4 wagon. Yeah. So just take a just a normal ass B7 and just make a Franken monster. Fuck it. Delete the front axle even. Just make it rear wheel drive. <laughs> 800 horsepower, you know, IROS built five cylinder drift machine type Dr of deal. Ki yeah, kind of. <laughs> it would basically be a uh, a German CTSV. Yeah. True. Wagon. True. That would be fucking wild. Yeah. I would love that. But I do have a note on CTSVs, though. This is kind of random, but it's oh. an interesting little story that okay. I, I told you about. Um, oh, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll kind of try to be quick about it. We have a friend. Don't be fucking stupid. Yeah. It's basically the moral of this message. Yeah. So we have a, a friend of a friend that has a CTS V second gen that he's owned. First gen. Oh, I thought his was second. Okay. No. So first gen CTS V that he bought a while back, had about 240,000 miles. He got a good deal on it. It's like rough physical condition, but it was mechanically good. It was just basically the dude's daily for years that he yeah. bought it from. He owned it for a couple of years and quote unquote sold it to a friend on payments. Also, when you say me like mechanically like sound... Only kind of. It was until he started fucking with it. Yeah, yeah, and he made it not. Yes, it le it it reeked of fluid, like of gas, all the fucking time. <laughs> it was kind of it's. There are a group of our friends yeah. that uh, enjoy, I like mid nineties to mid two thousand shit boxes, and he's one of them. Yeah, and so he tinkered around with it quite a bit, and he ended up selling it to kind of a friend of a friend ordeal on payments. As a helping out thing. Red flag. Red flag number one. Um, that individual ended up paid for the first several months just fine. After that, it started to become hard. He started to have to fight to get payments on them. And then for the past six months, the uh, payee just did completely disappeared off the radar. Was not not paying, not returning phone calls, texts, etc., etc. So he ended up having to hire a repo company once he found out the location of the car to go get it. Because he tried to get it himself and it almost didn't turn out very good <laughs> mm. but uh got the car back found out it had been wrecked it had been spray painted it had been all sorts of shit that's fucking sad yep and there's only the only saving grace is that fortunately he didn't sign over a title good i mean, I mean that's that's good um i'm he had the sensibilities to do that and have a brief written agreement mm -hmm. on what was supposed to happen yep. but like he's stuck like with a car that's now a you know what would have been maybe a seven to eight thousand dollar ish car yeah that is now a paperweight fortunately mm -hmm. he owned it out, outright as well he wasn't trying to sell it like have it on payments he wasn't and... upside down in a payment or anything exactly yeah. but like it was insured under his insurance but the other dude wrecked it so it's like there's no way to fight that i couldn't if i tried to claim an insurance claim on it it would just total the car out and or they wouldn't even do anything because it wasn't me plus the um the individual like if i go after him and sue him He's got no fucking money. 
Like, yeah, gotta, what are you going to do? Exactly. So he's just kind of stuck in a rut. You can't bankrupt somebody with no money. Exactly. Or no assets. <laughs> yeah, you can't get anything out of that. So he's stuck trying to figure this thing out. And I, I hate that shit like that happens because then it makes so many people question so many other notably good decisions. Yeah, doing making payments on things like can go over well if both people have integrity mm -hmm. i did that and i'm not so proud to admit this but i did that with a watch yeah um my bulova computron which is for those that don't know it's this gold digital bulova uh, they called it the driving watch back in the day yeah um it had uh the display wasn't on top but it was on the side so you could like you know see it like when you're driving or whatever mm -hmm. um Really rad watch. I had basically no money at the time. Yeah. But someone, a friend of mine was selling it, and I was like, okay, I don't know when I'm going to get this opportunity again because this thing's like from 1976. Yeah. Like, and it was in like fairly decent condition. The LCD screen worked perfectly. Like, it was fine. I was like, okay, will you take payment? It's a $300 watch. And like, will you take payments of like $100? Because yeah. I, I spaced it. So it was like, okay, it's just for three months and then it's mine. Yeah. Um, and I did everything in my power to make that work because I would like to I would like to think of myself at least as not a complete shithead. Yeah. Um I don't recommend people do that. It was kind of something of like me stretching myself and me kind of treating myself and I was growing my watch collection. Yeah. Um this is when I was buying like a watch a month. Jesus. <laughs> I mean they were all cheap watches, but it was like, oh, Gavin bought another watch. Oh, We've okay. all been there with certain things. Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, oh god, I need to tell you about my buddy Josh. Okay. Later. But yeah. um anyways, so <laughs> I don't know where exactly I was going with this, but like well, or like uh video as well. I've had people pay me mm -hmm. uh in payments through video and that's always been a pain in the ass and that like immediately makes me put that shit on the back burner. Straight up. Yeah, and I've even made payments. I've done both ends of the spectrum. I have like for instance on some of my larger purchases like my VR headset, that's a $1000 headset. I made payments on that with a friend. To, to the individual? To the individual. Okay. Because we we are individuals. We are not banks. Exactly. Which is why we you really ought not to do that. You have to be on your A game. Like, if you're mm -hmm. stretching yourself at all, you have to be really on top of it yeah. in order to actually make payments. And that's, that's the difficult thing. It becomes a necessary evil at certain points, even if it is just a hobby thing, like my headset or like your watch. But... Yeah. You know, it sucks when something but also, like this happens. Also, how much was, was your headset? $1,000. Okay, my watch is $300, so these are like $1,000 and under. Yep. We're not talking about an $8,000 item, which is a car. You know, and I, I don't know what the payment he was supposed to be receiving was. I'm assuming it'd be somewhere like three to 400 a month or something like that, at least. Sure. Um, But, uh, you know, it, it, that's a much larger asset. Fortunately, an asset that has a title, like at least there's some leeway with that. You can prove ownership. You can sure. do a lot of stuff that we wouldn't like be able to do. Like what he... What, the are the, the friend of the friend of ours mm -hmm. should should have done is I'll take payment but I'm keeping the car until you pay me in full is really what he should have done funny enough I just thought of another terrible situation the whole reason I got this house in the first place that I currently reside in mm. was because of a friend of a friend situation helping out somebody that needed a a leg up and after 3 months the dude changed the locks locked the previous owner that I bought it from out of the house and destroyed the place. And that's the whole reason I ended up here. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize how many times I've like seen little things like this happen. And it sucks because you want to believe people have integrity. You want to believe that people would make payments like you or I have and be free yeah. and clear, perfectly fine. Yeah. You got to be real careful about who you do that to. Yeah. 
Because similar to like living with friends, if making payments with friends, if you haven't done that before, mm-hmm. they may be a, seem like a good person. But or even if you know them and you've known them for years, but you've only like hung out in like short instances and you haven't like lived with them, like that all can change like that. Yep, in a heartbeat. Yeah. So TLDR, be careful, friends. <laughs> be careful and just honestly, just don't do it. Just just don't sell your shit in payments. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Be good. So, yeah. anyways, um, we've been going for a while, quite a while. Um, oh, also, uh, shout out uh to RS Five owner Patrick, who apparently listens to the podcast. Yes, thanks, Patrick. Glad to have you with us. We need to go get dinner soon or something. Oh yeah, um, it's been too long. Uh, or go for a drive, or do both. There you go. You you should go in your Audi. I'll take the fee. I'll take his Audi, and then he'll take his Forerunner. Well, he has a C four. He has a C four vet. Patrick, mm-hmm. when did that happen? About six months ago, I the think. The fuck? Yeah. Prove it. I don't. I can't prove it. I don't have a picture of it, <laughs> but I seen it twice because I've been to his house twice, like cleaning his Forerunner, and it's there. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. He he loves it. What? Yeah. He hasn't he hasn't talked to me about that shit. Okay. Well, it hasn't seen the light of day much because he bought it in great condition, but needing stuff to get running better it's good physical condition but interesting needs some upfit interesting yeah that's, that, that's an interesting move for him because that's see and it's a, it's a normal c4 it's not like a zr1 or anything yeah interesting <laughs> i know <laughs> huh i i have some questions now um well anyways i guess as an update um i actually found some older uh well no one from integrate engineering is going to be listening to this and if they are well these are uh, eat a dick. This was five years ago. I made this content for you. Yeah, you're not, you're not using it anyway, and you haven't used it in five years. So I found some older uh, Mark Seven content, and I talked about the Mark Seven uh, when reviewing my Fiesta ST. So um, I threw that in our video. Hell yeah! And uh, if they do come knocking, then uh, I guess we'll have some conversations. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that video actually just got redone. Um, I made a couple of changes, and so that's still uh, Fiesta ST videos going up live uh, April 12th, um, but leading the weekly content is going to be your Saab 900 Turbo SPG. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a week before, so that's the 5th, April 5th. Yep. And then we have a C8 Corvette that I drove last year, uh, going to be the third video, and then we have uh, what? We have my two Porsches that I drove. Yep. And then uh, there's actually another proposition that I uh, it hasn't been established, but um, I'm going to talk to you about it off air. Okay. That actually might fill in the position of what was going to be the uh, R53 Mini. Nice. Okay. So uh, stick around if uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, tune into our YouTube uh, starting uh, the first Wednesday of April, and every Wednesday we're going to have a new video on our YouTube channel, which is going to be very exciting. Yes. So uh, until next time, I guess I've been Gavin. And I've been Justin. And this has been the Exhibition of Speed Podcast.